0: do not take the no for the answer or the ignored email for the answer. You just fucking hassle. Hassle, hassle politely, as polite as you can be, and just keep going, you know? Because at the end of the day, you you attract people towards you who are ignoring you for a long time because you're still around, you know?
1: You've just heard the voice of Colin Ford. The director and programmer for the Dock and Roll Film Festival based in London. When I say based in London, he's actually now in the south of Spain and the film festival is based online. best coronavirus for you. Um, Coleman is part of Vanessa, started a film festival I think eight years ago and uh, they worked their artists off to do this to get it going with a huge love for music and seeing things through from start to, I wouldn't say finish because they're just getting going. Um, but they're in there for the long haul and it's a fascinating conversation with a man who seems to be able to adapt to any situation and turn himself towards it with a sort of like lack of fear I would call it an embracing of the difficult choices you make in life go towards your fear I think is the motto of this conversation Um, I'm not going to talk too much about it now I will say that Colin was very generous with his time and uh, I really enjoyed getting to know him a bit more so here you go away with the conversation usually with these things, I just press record and off you go, you know, so we're actually recording now. So this could well be the start of our chat. Fair <laughs> enough. No
0: worries. Um, so what should we talk about?
1: Well, man, I've known you for a long time and I know you're involved in the Dock and Roll Festival. And uh, I think for me, that's that's it's amazing that you managed to stick it through with that. But I'm after sort of what characteristic in you is what carried that through to where it is now and where did that come from?
0: hmm that's yeah uh, that's i don't know uh it's a combination of a lot of things i guess timing and that um yeah it's an odd one because my previous experience uh, my previous career before launching this festival was uh, in a total t- other field really it was in film restoration working for the national broadcast archive in Dublin where I'm from Mm -hmm. so it didn't have anything really in relation to what I'm doing apart from the fact that you know music docs on average would have about 15 or 20 percent of their footage would come from the archive so it's a tenuous connection there but uh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, I I mean in terms of um, promoting events putting on events and any type of activity like that I had no experience whatsoever and either did my partner in Crime Vanessa. But the one thing we had in common was um, just a passion for a really broad spectrum of music. Uh, left to field music, any genre as long as it's not middle mm-hmm. of the road and something slightly different uh, mm-hmm. and off the mainstream yeah. channels. And also documentary and independent film. And uh, it was kind of a time really, where I basically packed in the job that i had 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 over uh best part eleven or twelve years in Ireland and I was looking to set myself up in London with uh instead of uh, doing restoration, kind of maybe managing a, a, a collection of archival films or some element of museum work in a managerial role. But uh, between one thing and another, those roles are few and far between because they're all publicly funded. So there wasn't much on the table for the first year that I was in London, which is 2012, and 2012 2013. And then uh, yeah. we, Vanessa had the idea of launching uh, this Music Doc Festival in Dublin when we lived there. But well, I didn't have time to do any of that when I was in a full time role. And didn't we didn't have the, con- yeah. she didn't have the connections or inclination to do it herself either. So it was kind of more uh because i was at a loose end and i was just looking for something to do which sounds a little silly you know, yeah. uh to begin with but it does always you know these kind of things always entail a large amount of naivety otherwise you know if you know how difficult it was going to be you'd never drew it or try it to begin with so you know it's uh it Well, uh, uh, there was definitely yeah. an element of naivety too in terms of how easy it would be when we looked at the landscape of what was out there in cinemas and how little support these types of left field music docs were getting. We were like, well, there's obviously a market there. It's just how difficult will it be to tap and to expand and to build is the question. And considering we actually had zero, zero on the ground connections in the arts world of the UK or the film world and we'd never held a screening before we never organized anything beyond it like 12 people at a dinner table kind of thing uh yeah it was actually a bit of looking back on it in retrospect. It was, <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous
1: <laughs> that's what i'm after Colin. Yeah, you know i yeah, mean yeah. what what the hell How, yeah tell me because i mean jesus man a lot of people panic with the smallest of things but yeah if you were to just like walk out of a door and that was your plate That'd be quite hard to deal with that, man. But you took it in your stride. You know, you worked together with Vanessa. Yeah. Where does that like what part of you as a child was like that? Because it's obviously inherent in your character to see it through
0: oh that's it honestly mate i've never i've never had that introspection on that on, no. at the moment I for this job no it's uh, but it's a good, very good question uh i don't like curiosity i think i've always done probably too curious for my own good you know right uh in terms of yeah, as a kid definitely just not being able to uh pay attention a short span of attention as well but at the same time very uh detail orientated, Mm -hmm. extremely. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, (laughs) maybe the combination of the curiosity of trying something completely off the wall new in a scenario where I felt like, you know, I had a bit of a cushion at the time financially in terms of having had some redundancy from the previous job. So, yeah. you know, it gave me a bit of breathing space to try something new. So I guess that was that was that was crucial as well in terms of, you know, having that as a some some sort of a cushion where uh, we could spend and I could spend, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day doing research on films and mm. other festivals and how to run these things without the severe financial issue behind me for the initial year anyway you know uh, but yeah it's definitely curiosity i think in and boredom being bored of repetition you know
1: right so so you'd recommend been. people get bored so they achieve stuff
0: Oh, well, to some extent, to some extent, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. A lack of, a, a, a yeah. lack of, uh, you know, basically because one of the reasons I actually left, which was a very secure and comfortable job, <laughs> but that was very well, very well paid, was it felt to me like that I was far too young to be in that comfortable position yeah. at the time, yeah. uh, 12, 13 years ago, and um, I just it was one of those scenarios where I kind of fell into a, sen- uh, a comfortable zone and stayed with it, even though internally i had very itchy feet and it is i'm a big into traveling so mm-hmm. it kind of uh it was grating on me the comfort yeah, yeah for yeah. a long time is it, before i jumped ship
1: you yeah. jump is there is there a point when um it it sort of gets the better of you inside but you sort of recenter yourself and go i can fucking do this
0: yeah yeah i guess so yeah absolutely yeah um you know, um, it's funny that like we were uh, we just put the head down and just went like you know okay here I have something to really you know anchor myself for the next uh, whatever eight eight to twelve months and because initially you know this kind of thing having started from scratch with zero connections mm-hmm. in in the film TV world apart from archival ones that had no no real benefit to what we were trying to do in events and cinema exhibition Um we obviously had to start with some kind of a blag, you know. So once we had kind of blagged our way into uh, getting the initial cinema slot, which was crucial in terms of publicity and kind of raising the profile of what we were trying to launch rather than launching it in the back of the pub, which would be fine, but it's, just, it's a different type of, of way of going about doing something. So we were said, we're going to do this right. We do it right from the beginning. And if we can't uh, get our foot in the door of cinema, uh, the correct, appropriate for this kind of material, then you know we'll we we'll, we'll just you know there's no point is we won't develop into anything. So that was the crucial thing that really set the ball rolling when we, yeah. uh, out, out of a hobby kind of idea, said well I'll put my head to this when Vanessa set, suggested it, and I put probably six weeks of, of research into it, and then we managed to um, convince a uh, senior film programmer that we had a, a good idea worth pursuing and it wouldn't really mm. be much of a risk on their part, you know? So considering that they'd already had, a, had that type of audience in their in their books and we could develop an, a, a similar audience and bring it to them. So, like, once we blagged that... Um, it was kinda of ball was rolling there. Then we we're just like, well, I could do this. Mm-hmm. If we could blag this, we can do it. We can do it. Like anything, you know, it's pure like, you know, yeah. in the deep end And once yeah. once you're in, it's once you once you're blag away into a situation you ha- you damn well better be able to deliver, you know. Uh so it was that kind of determination that I was like, Well, you know, let's 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 see what happens, you know. Let's let's just, just see what happens, what I've got to lose, you know. One of those scenarios, you know, because it wasn't like I was, I wasn't leaving a, a solid thing, you know. Are you are you a good swimmer? uh no i wish i was you
1: you (laughs) seem to be a good swimmer in life man you know you've jumped in the water yeah it's it's interesting i i guess like I think, uh, you know, m- I mean, my partner Maria, obviously she's a mutual friend of all of us. Um, she's told me often that you were always at the forefront of checking out bands in Dublin and stuff, and you always knew what they were playing. You'd always well, yeah. bring people with you to gigs. That's yeah. like obviously a huge part of who you are is a love for music,
0: right? Well, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was one of the things that kept me in the job, apart from being interested in history and that, it was that like I had, you know, free time in the evenings. It was the standard job. I wasn't bringing the job home with me and I had like, you know, disposable income to go to to quite a few gigs in uh, my late, mid to late 20s, you know, last probably five, six years in the job. And I wasn't, you know, too concerned about building up a big, you know, stuff for trying to get a mortgage or any of that kind of crap. So uh, I was well and truly (laughs) enjoying the best of of the arts, of music arts that Dublin had to offer, you know. And uh, yeah, and of course, I always like to... uh, you know bring people along if they're if they if for, for presents for birthdays or this that and the other or if i just had you know some spare cash and i wanted some company or you know so i yeah. did go to yeah at least go to all uh all sorts of different types of gigs uh probably mostly alternative rock indie that kind of thing and uh, some some dj sets and that but mostly uh stuff that would be yeah. going on in yeah the olympia vicar street uh, Wheelings and all of those kind of classic venues in Dublin yeah
1: so of course there's, there's a richness to the music scene in Dublin that I think is yeah. unique to it as well I mean I know in London there's an incredibly rich music scene and you're obviously very keen into what's going on there Yeah, but that's a lot more uh, separated and disparate and sort of maybe harder to get into things isn't it
0: yeah yeah I mean well you know this it's just the nature of the size of the population and that in terms of just the, yeah. the location of the venues around Dublin it's very easy to after a while of going to a few gigs you know the spotting usual head faces and that like and that you come across a bit and friendly friendly folk that you don't know from Adam but you know they have a si- similar uh, taste of music in common and that's good enough just for uh, how are you how's it going quick chat and kind of you know you know uh, element to camaraderie whether you know these people or not you know you just feel like you're in in you know in a good zone like and that's you know it's just the nature of the size of the city uh, uh, anything a metropolis like London you can't create that unless it, within certain pockets like Camden back in the 90s or 80s and 90s are but uh, yeah it's very hard to kind of to find that in London but yeah Dublin was my zone as well having li- living nearby the city centre as well helped in or- enormously as well <laughs> and my enthusiasm to get out and there wet Tuesday night to see a band I'd never heard of but it was recommended to it, that kind of thing like you know so that all like you know it's just being in a kind of a, a, a very cozy environment of like-minded interested people who are interested in, in kind of <laughs> testing new ground in music so it's like yeah it, it, it was it was a very a very good time, a very fun time, and it was great to introduce people, friends of mine, to music that mm-hmm. they might have heard of either. You know, away, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, h- how close are you to the dream now? Then, I mean, was this part of your was this part of your ideal when you were younger to to stay involved in music, to be someone who is a tastemaker in music, at least to a certain degree? You you obviously have a position that's growing.
0: Yeah, um, no, not at all. Like I mean, I was I was always a fan of you know just making mixtapes, you know. Um, yeah. but uh, and I started like you know collecting records probably around the age of eighteen or something, maybe late-ish as well. Even in, in terms of like having disposable income, then having a, a part-time job when I was eighteen, it started all then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was uh, yeah, I really liked making mixtapes, you know, and trying out my mates, but um. No, in terms of being a tastemaker at all, I mean, obviously, seven years down the line, we have established some element. Uh, you might have established yourself in niche within a niche because documentary world is a niche in itself. And then music yeah. within it, of course. But um, no, I mean that was never that was. I mean, pfft, I, it's our. I'm, to be honest, there are any interesting questions I haven't really dug deep into my psyche on. You know, so not. That's why you're here. <laughs> not yeah, not 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 right up front. Not there's no obvious stuff here. Probably uh, maybe in a few days after this conversation, <laughs> I'll be able to <laughs> to actually dig out exactly why I ended up where I am. You know, after a little more interesting. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna I, I, I am gonna hit you with a big one now, man, because it, yeah. it's one that's interesting to me as well when yeah. you become someone who's in a position of uh, responsibility essentially to the industry that you got into in the first place yeah. to champion underdogs now you're in a position where you're sort of like you have to critique them and and work out how to support them yet also set the bar to the correct height for your standards so as a tastemaker you have a responsibility to uphold what is good but also to support that which might not be good enough
0: yeah how do you fit into uh, that model? no i mean it's a fair enough question like um well you know I like to i mean basically what we what we found ourselves in the niche was basically trying to support and give the opportunity to films uh, international films not only u k orientated films but basically international films that would have been very lucky to get a London premiere in a cinema and that would be the beginning and the end of their existence uh, in in terms of it being a social environment, being able to go see the film where it should be seen, really where it was built to be seen in a cinema with a good sound system. So, you know, that was the main aim of what we set up initially. Obviously, we moved on from that with doing stuff online now. But, um, yeah, you know, there, it, there, it's, it's hard it's hard to say because it, there was always an element in, in building a profile. You need to catch some bigger films, even though they're in a, a mainstream um, Zone. So Mm. there's that balance there because you're going to build a brand and you can't, you actually, in order to build a brand, you need some element of finance. So you need some element of a decent box office on two or three films out of your 15 oddball films, you know. Mm. (laughs) So it's a balance there that that needs to be struck. So um, obviously, yeah, uh, we always like to basically open up, we've opened up the, the genre of music that's wide open to like, you know, very experimental jazz films all the way to mm-hmm. extreme metal on the other side of that. And then, you know, I do the techno music, anything in between, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. You get people throwing stuff at us all the time now. But at the beginning of the first two or three years, it was me spending most of my time doing the research chasing films and convincing uh, filmmakers who'd never heard of us who had left the field uh, titles about feel artists to convince them that we were the right festival to go with rather than them going mm. with them at a, a, a well-known festival in London that was a competitor but didn't actually have any history of exposing their audience to really uh, unusual uh, music genres you know so it was you know it took a while like you know so and it it it, it could be exasperating at times where you're trying to just I, I basically built a lot of rapport i had to start to build a rapport with with filmmakers online yeah. via skype calls to try and win them over with a bit of irish charm you know yourself uh yeah, yeah, that yeah. you know it goes a long way and it's something just from the point of view that other filmmakers just too busy and couldn't be bothered doing that i don't feel comfortable even doing that so that was probably part of uh, you know, me just like being in a pub on my own in Dublin at a gig in Whelan's and, and and chatting to some randomer beside me for twenty minutes and maybe never seeing him again for two or three years, but that was fine. You know, and it was the same kind of idea, just like yeah, why not just have a chat with this guy and, and and try and win this filmmaker over and see if they want to work with me rather than going to like you know the Faces kind of festival that you know has a name but like, yeah. doesn't have any enthusiasm behind it beyond that. You know, it's kind of like just they just want to they just want to fill a gap. You know, so. It was a combination of all of these things that, you know, I had to take on board, win people over and then uh, uh, probably within three or after three or four years, then the question that you really posed came into effect where, you know, I had to balance when I started getting bigger films in with making sure that there was an opportunity for those that we started out with as well, you know, which Mm -hmm. isn't easy, you know, because, Mm -hmm. uh, Oh, I think it was about three years ago on our fourth edition that we started, we came up with close to 100 feature films came into us, you know, so uh, globally. So, you know, um, there would probably have been 20 percent of them that just were unfortunately too poorly made and their sound didn't hold up. And it was just very, you know, obvious that it, it, it wasn't. it it wouldn't sit right within a cinema environment, you know. Uh, We were working cinemas only at the time. Now we're working some alternative venues where we could take the risk with, but at the time we had to Mm -hmm. let some of those films go. And we didn't have an online element either, which we have now, which one of the benefits of this whole catastrophe that we're going through uh, with, you know, live events being held up for the yeah. last 12 years, 12 months, is that, you know, you've got to find a way, you've got to pivot and the online element has actually opened up an uh, even broader element for us to, to help people out who have those films that we couldn't accommodate four years ago because, you know, cinemas and cinema, they're only going to take a certain amount of risk and you, you actually have to protect your, your own reputation in, you know, showing a film, only six people turn up. You know that's fine by me, but it's not fine by the cinema. You know, it's like, so <laughs> I know it well, man. Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. So we know. So you know, the, 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 you got to balance. We got to balance that element of wanting to help somebody out and feeling that their film could really reach an audience if we, if we put out a certain time yeah. a certain date and all the rest but then you, you, you we're not you know we are. We ultimately are responsible for bringing a certain amount of people into the same at a certain part of the day and if we don't do it we won't be back the following year so you got to balance that as well you know absolutely. but it's not easy yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not easy because yeah. you know there's a lot of films out there that we have seen and for one reason or another the band is so obscure even though the film's great that we just can't take the risk with. but now with the online element we can and that's just one benefit of of where we are and it's just great
1: sure 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 it does sound like you're actually custom designed for the role for the reasons that you obviously have a taste in sort of um other kinds of music not the sort of middle of the road stuff that you want to drive over in your car yeah And, and also you you have knowledge of what it takes to create a quality image i mean you've spent a lot of time in a room looking at a quality image so you're your bar must be quite high it must be quite painful for you to watch certain things and go god that sounds shit and that image oh my god
0: no no absolutely yeah yeah well like yeah going back to my original career yeah I was spent like you know best part of a day uh, probably you know six or seven hours a day staring at screens like in the dark in a cave with a lot of tech around me, trying to finesse uh, an image in terms of uh, re- restoring its colour and trying to, yeah, yeah, trying to get the the light lighting right, the contrast right, uh, particularly from the, an image point of view, not so much associated with the audio, but uh, because it was a limited amount of stuff we could do with the audio in the scenario I was working with, mostly with, with image. But yeah, obviously, uh, that particularly would have given me uh, a, a good eye for timing, you know, for an edit, like, you know, for when... You know somebody should clip an edit a clip a conversation or clip a scenario clip a story and that kind of thing in terms yeah. of timing you know uh which which yeah obviously it was very useful for me in terms of you know curation and programming and being able to critique uh you know films unfortunately at the time most of these films were always coming to us as end products like and Nowadays we have yeah. we have the ability to consult with people when they get in touch with us slightly earlier in the process, and we can do some uh, critiquing of the actual edit. But yeah, that was that was a I guess it was very important for me to be able to become a film programmer from scratch. At least I had that mm-hmm. that foundation of where I knew a good momentum structure of a story was critical to you know the whole idea of of making a documentary really is based around how good the editor is, the edit is, and that's at least the 50% of the job of the completion of the film is the editor and not the director. So probably more so, you know, yeah. So 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 that's definitely fed into my ability to choose.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's the process then? Say someone wants to, I mean, how approachable are you for other people? For starters, with their film, they want to come up and say, I'm making a documentary. What are you looking for in a film? What are you not looking to see? What 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 what's the? How many things does he, does someone have to go through in a submission process?
0: Uh, well, I mean, you know, they, they, it's 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 a pretty faceless scenario in terms of it just being an online platform that they submit their shorts or features to, but then. Yeah uh within uh the events themselves that we put on across the country not just in london but when i'm out and about in cinemas uh i'm very approachable in terms of give me your number give me your give me your email and i'll follow up with it you follow up with me here it is but at the time i'm usually up to my eyeballs trying to figure out you know with guests and q a guests and hosts and all the rest and introducing people that i don't have time to really at all get into anything apart from five minute quick chat but i'm uh yeah i'm i'm determined yeah. to remain like that you know as i continue with this journey you know of building this uh what well, this company you know that for me that's crucial like because you know We've all been to these events and been to networking things, and you just don't know where you are. You don't know anyone, and you're just standing around like you know. At, at times when the other you know, the gatekeepers are there, you know who they are, but you don't know how to break in and and introduce yourself. I'm always open to that and accommodating to anyone. You mm-hmm. Just touch me on the shoulder and say, "Listen, you're probably really busy, but you know I've been working on this for a few years. Can I have a word with you now?" And I usually say, "Not now," but like, "Here's my details. Give me a shout." uh when things are quieting down and like you usually follow up with those things uh, it's very important anyway for for me to be you know genuine in that and follow up on that because that's critical in 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 establishing ourselves as somebody worth working with rather than just yeah. throwing your film at a more established festival that you think would be better for your film rather than going with something that's mm. curated by us in, in terms of the character that i have in terms of being open to that so um in terms of submissions, yeah, I mean, I'm all uh, like I said, I'm w- out there to help people. Particularly at the moment, actually, for anybody listening, I have a lot of downtime for the next two months, and the upside of that is that I have time to uh, work pro bono for people and help them out, and symbiotically help ourselves out and get a, f- a look at these films that might be coming out in about a year or two or three. I just, you know, kind of shepherd people through some complex processes that we've learned ourselves through trial and error, you know, and through different connections. But, um, you know, in terms of submissions to that we use a platform called Film Freeway and basically you put up yeah. you know your film uh, it's a digital screener thing you know then you put a synopsis and you, you have the option to put a cover letter if you want to throw me a particular hook as to why this film would work in our festival or our city or wherever it may be and the socials associated with them and any other festivals you've been so it's a get, you know it's always good to have some element of a CV around the film obviously you can't do that yeah. you haven't screened anywhere but you know it's always- always good to see that the film has screened the other side of the world at some some other festival whatever it may be and that might have picked up a little bit of press in that in that territory and that's the starting point you know uh one of the crucial things for us is that you know we're a kind of grassroots festival we just like really DIY in nature where we came from and this kind of crazy idea and, and minimum investment and just a lot of yeah. passion around it and we we, we, we attracted a lot of people who are willing to give their time voluntary to to help us drive what we needed to to achieve you know so um, that it's very important that these films themselves have already developed that or uh, element of grassroots support online you know so the the foundational social media element is very important in order to be able for us to leverage and push that audience and build mm. an that audience that's already there. So yeah. it's it's important for us to see a film that is made with passion, and it may be a little bit shoestring uh, you know to mm-hmm. say the least but I mean if it's done in a clever way uh, if you've got some decent kind of framing which is one critical thing is really important is being able oh, yeah. to frame an image not just to have the camera in your hand and, <laughs> and freestyle it without a tripod another thing a tripod is really important so uh, I've <laughs> I've watched endless endless uh, opportunities and films ruined with great access and no tripod and it can be incredibly nauseous watching uh, an enthusiastic <laughs> filmmaker run around after uh, a great artist who, who should be heard and seen, but like unfortunately, it looks like you, you're sitting on a deck of a of a of a boat in the middle of a storm. It's like <laughs> it, it can be excruciating when that type of sure. opportunity is missed out on for such a simple piece of kit, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I think it's 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 really it's critical that the film um, for us. It's got to be left to centre, like, you know, uh, on the one hand, you know, on the one hand, I wouldn't expect a lot of mainstream stuff to come to us because we're not, we just don't have that profile, you know, and maybe we don't have what the filmmakers would be looking for with a mainstream artist. But uh, on the other hand, yeah, things have started to come to us that I have to to really think hard about if we want it or not. Uh, One of them being, like... Uh, a great film that we showed, actually, um, on um, Stereophonics uh, yeah. at, at the opening of our festival last November. It was the only one of the only films that we managed to screen live before Lockdown 2 happened. But it was on Kelly Jones, the lead singer of Stereophonics. And uh, Stereophonics as a band wouldn't be somebody that, or a band that wouldn't really fit the, The kind of structure of what we're about because they are extremely from my perspective extremely mainstream you know great you know great bands have great music but it's just not our Mm -hmm. thing or whatever so that was an exception I made I had to think about it long and hard you know as well because it it didn't it didn't fit the mold of what we've been doing for the previous seven editions you know um but you know Mm -hmm. one of the key things about it was that was made by a guy as first time to uh feature director documentary director he had experience in making uh, commercials and stuff like that shorts but uh, a really enthusiastic young filmmaker um, and that really clinched it for us you know as well as the kind of essence of the film uh, it being about a mainstream artist but it was about his doing a completely different thing not doing not working with a band doing a solo project and doing it uh, basically recording a totally different way so it kind of you know it, 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 it ticked our box at the end of the day. And I'm glad it showed
1: it like, you know, so, you know. Yeah, I'd watch that, you know. I think, yeah. I mean, the stereophonics, actually, funnily enough, now you mentioned the stereophonics in lockdown 2 Weren't they involved in a gig just before lockdown one as well? They seem to have this, they seem to have this thing about, people gathering just before lockdown quite weird,
0: isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> I only heard of it that recently yes they did it apparently <laughs> wow yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah I mean there's, so there's obviously a lot of different things going off uh, in terms of what makes a film good in terms of why, what do we want and yeah, what yeah, we're yeah. Looking for it. but it's a combination of those anyway you know particularly something that that, that you know has an unusual uh, character you know, that deserves the, the, the limelight being shone on them again. It's usually people who, a lot of cases mm-hmm. are not people starting out. They're basically those who have gone off for one reason or another got dropped by the labels and have been in obscurity for a long time and deserve, mm-hmm. uh, you know, deserve, deserve a new generation of listeners or, you know, music fans to, to become aware of them rather than their parents who might have been aware at the time. But they, they've been sidelined because of, you know, the, the, the industry and all the problems with it. Yeah, so, yeah, no, that, yeah, that, yeah, that It's that kind of an angle that we would take to begin with. You know, that kind
1: of thing. Also, you know, Kelly Kelly Jones is a, is from a mining village and in, in the valleys of Wales. Man, his his journey is, I guess, it's an odd one. Like he's quite a bit of yeah. a freak of nature for that whole scene. You know, really.
0: No, absolutely. It's yeah. and, and it's at least one one key member of his band as well. I can't remember, but they're they I think they grew up in the same street. Like so, yeah. You know, to, 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 to a very a great success story.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk, talk to me about the other side of your role in this, because I know you have to go on stage and talk to people. You have to go on stage and inter- introduce the films and yeah. do the speech and things like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're so incredibly relaxed before you do that. Like it's it's that's quite a daunting thing, but it seems to be something that's your um, you're almost like meditative when you go on stage. What's the crack with that? How come?
0: Well, I guess that is just something I came. I I mean I developed it because to be honest with you, at our yeah. first um our first edition of the festival in 2014, September 2014. I was so overwhelmed with the situation and what we had achieved just on the weekend of it launching uh, that I was just so <laughs> erratic in my in my mind that I couldn't I could barely you know I could barely say hello to people who were just coming down with them to sit in their seats yeah. and I could let alone stand on stage and introduce what we had created so we actually uh ducked out of that the first year and got some good friends who were more accustomed to 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 public speaking to do it on our behalf, and then um, I didn't have those good friends around for probably five six months later when we got our hands on a film that uh, it was called Heaven's, Heaven Ador- Heaven the Door Heaven the Doors which we actually played at Steven, that event afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. So it was during that opening of that sold out screening with 280 people in Hackney that I had to dive in and do my intro yeah. and that was terrifying yeah that was actually terrifying because I, I'd never I'm I just I'm just one of the typical population People who are just like, you know, it's like some people, there's, there's a quote, or not a quote, statistics saying, you know, people would prefer to die than have to be standing <laughs> in front of 40 people and, and do a, a five yeah. minute speech about anything like, you know, so it's like people are in, incredibly uh, averse to doing this, uh, yeah. standing up and it doesn't even, I mean, obviously it helps when you've created something, you should be proud of that. But sometimes you've got so much in your head, which we had and, and you know, Yeah, just so much anxiety that you uh, you just terrify yourself with stage fright and don't do it. But so it was something that I again in at the deep end had no choice but to do it. you know after dodging the first bullet <laughs> or the first <laughs> festival I knew it was inevitable and was something I had to get accustomed to so and apart from that doing hosting Q&A's because I was always a plan C on that we get a, a plan A uh, music journalist if they couldn't do it a, a plan B journalist who uh, and then I was the plan C and uh, sooner or later I became I had to do a lot of Q&A's for for different reasons a lot of them to a financial not being able to afford to hire, hire somebody to do it yeah. in our early days. So, that was terrifying as well. Like, I mean, it, it does one thing about introing a film and, and saying, "I hope you enjoy it," over a space of two minutes. But there's a whole other story. was Stand, sitting up there for half an hour with a filmmaker, who uh, they themselves might be nervous and shy mm-hmm. and first timers. So, mm-hmm. it 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 is something that I reluctantly had to overcome, and I'm very happy I did mm-hmm. this. Like seven years later, obviously, I became a bit of a dab hand at it in the last three or four years, but there is there is an element of you know you got to psych yourself into it i mean you know all about stage fright and the willingness to go on stage or not like as a as a performing artist it just sometimes it you know it's just it's it's just all about you getting in the zone and trying to find a way of uh, prepping for that and getting yourself into zone in the in the you know the half an hour before you go on or you know the 10 minutes before you go on yeah. and i thought it was very very funny in seeing um a film called uh on sleeper mods called bunch of Cunts where um uh what's his name is will uh oh, sorry the, the lead singer of, of uh, what's his name again his name is Casey though but the main the main guy yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in sleeper mods um he His whole process of psyching himself up to go out on stage is very interesting. We see the the behind-the-scenes story of him in the hotel uh, and in the green room, and the whole process of, you know, breath, flow, work, and all of that, and, and like, you know, him slapping himself in the face and trying to just get himself... On it, like and in the zone. It's a it, it kind of, you know, obviously, I personally didn't go through any of that type of you know, <sighs> traumatic scenario, uh, but I ha- in my own little way, I did. I could connect with what he was doing in terms of trying to go, you know, okay, yeah. yeah, fine, let's say Ready, got it. Done. So, you know, um, yeah, it's just an odd one. It's just something, obviously, I got better at. Like, it wasn't a case of me being in any way being smooth at the beginning of the first probably 12 or 15 intros over a year (laughs) but by two and a half years into the job I was I was just what it's just one of those things that it's part of the job and it's not something I enjoy at all but it's just like part of the job gotta do it nobody else gotta do it and another element of me being one of the only actual um one of the few native English speakers in the team mm-hmm. that we have it there was that element of it too as well mm-hmm. um so it, it was just gotta go out there and do it like and I'm very happy that I've gained those skills and, and confidence to it because it obviously helped me other yeah. parts of my life as well you know
1: yeah so yeah. yeah 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 there is there's a lot to your story where you do seem to sort of like go okay nobody else is going to do this so I'm going to be the person yeah. doing this um yeah that's I mean but that's great you know I think I think it's a funny one though I imagine now that you still don't enjoy the process but you rely on the fact that you've successfully managed to do it before to sort of point the way that's that it. I, can, I can do this
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I was I was one of those classic kids in school where I was always forced up to stand up and read the book, and I was just bloody hated that. Like, you know, and that yeah. that that was that's totally like that's where I'm coming from. From like, you know, don't look at me, don't don't, you know, this like I'm happy to have a chat with you at a pub or whatever, casually. But not I don't want thirty people looking at me and studying my ability to articulate myself. You know, right? So, yeah. so so that you know so I'm yeah you know, from that perspective, looking back at that kid as a twelve year old or. a, 14 15 year old in 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 secondary school i'm i'm really delighted to be able to to uh uh one way or the other uh deliver a coherent <laughs> introduction to a film and you know ask the right questions at the right times and like you know flow with the A. like so yeah it's been a it's it's definitely an achievement somewhat <laughs> like you know
1: did you what what was your school like was there a threat of a beating if you got it wrong
0: uh, no it wasn't actually not physical but there's obviously a bully, bullying element in every bloody secondary yeah, school like, yeah. you know of course no but you know, it was you know, you know it's probably my guess it's usually more being embarrassed in front of the girls than anything <laughs> <laughs> probably ah, you know yeah. when you're 14 15 and trying to trying yeah. to keep it cool you know and you're still finding your feet you know, you have, have no idea who you are anyway for at least another 10 years so it's, it's early days in that process <laughs> but when you get caught out and start stuttering when you're 14 or 15 in front of a uh, a classroom half full of girls and that, that can yeah. be quite daunting <laughs> and you know
1: you you know you've gone red in the face the sweat's starting to come down your brow you're like oh absolutely. god this how do absolutely.
0: i get out of this taking me away absolutely <laughs> yeah 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 we've all been there we've all been there and i mean that that actually funny enough that actually happened to me where i really wanted the ground to swallow me up uh i think it's two, a year and a half ago now it was during our, um 2019's I had been out the night before at the world premiere of a film about uh, drum and bass and jungle, and I'd been up till five a.m. and then I was doing an intro on a Sunday at seven thirty, whatever uh in the evening at a completely different event, totally different types of people. It was yeah. much more of a jazzy thing. It was more of an older older audience. It was a Sunday vibe, chilled and that and yeah, yeah. there was I like an absolute bits from the night before. I'd only got <laughs> up about two hours earlier. And I I I committed the cardinal sin of trying to sell some of the other films to this audience uh when I could just about string my name together, you know? Oh. So uh I uh yeah that I should one of those things where you really learn where you just idiot, short and sweet, short and sweet, so I went off on a mad, I went off on a, on a tangent about what was coming up the next day and basically I had a brain freeze it was, it was excruciating um, but, and I just basically had to pause right in the middle of my tangent and go listen I've lost my train of thought here, this is a great film, I hope you enjoy it here's the film I could do, do it's his intro and I just had to dig myself ahead of a hole really quickly and uh, so yeah you know, I've had it all. Yeah, that that was that was a, a, a lesson learned hard. You know, I had a hundred and a hundred sold out audience looking at me you know, like falling apart in front of them oh, at seven God. thirty that evening. <laughs> so yeah. Obviously, I came clean. I said, "Look, I've been out I was up all night last night at a great event. Uh, I obviously didn't get enough rest." this is a great film. I'll leave you to it. The, the, you know, the, the film like can do a far better intro than I can. There you go. One of the worst <laughs> moments of
1: your life so far, Colm, right?
0: Uh, and that, that was that was pretty bloody awkward like, because it was that kind of audience. You know, it all depends on the, on the audience. It was the kind of audience that were quite snobby and all like and it was kind yeah. of a, you know, it was like jazz film, So there was a certain element of that to the audience somehow, and uh, you know, they were kind of like, Who is this idiot? They are wasting our time here. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> You know, yeah. I had luckily, I had a, a bunch of friends that put to me, they were just laughing at me and jokingly, like, Oh, god, oh, mate, mate, I just saw you, I just saw you just freeze mid sentence. And it was just you like, died on stage, like
1: a, man. You died. Oh, it was
0: yeah. it was like a computer, it was like a computer freeze, basically. My brain yeah, just froze. Yeah, I think they, I'd, only, I'd only had four, three or four hours sleep or something like that. They say,
1: they say, like, even in the best of moments, man, going on a stage and performing, some people, it's the same adrenaline rush or the same fear factor as jumping out of a plane and skydiving, man. And
0: Yeah, uh, oh, you no, know, absolutely. I can imagine that, like, you know, 100%, I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just, you just, you just got, it, that's it, it's a dive in, you just got to dive in and hope for the best, you know. And it, like you said, it's all about uh, convincing yourself, you've done it before, you can do it again, no problem, that's it, done, let's go, you know. Me, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> until, until it isn't, until it isn't. Until so until you... <laughs> the next time you're
1: like, oh shit, no, but what about that time when I was on stage and I yeah. died in front of 150 people, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 well see, you gotta learn you gotta learn from your lessons learn the hard way, you, man. It's to, always the way.
1: Tell me about man, you you've just awarded the
0: Phil documentary, the Picture yeah. of the Year, right? Tell me about yeah. that. Um so yeah, that was a great it was a really strong program of uh shortlisted films. So we get 30 films in that we screen in cinemas and then we have a shortlist of yeah. six that are judged by a jury of four or five people. Industry people, music music uh, writers, journalists, and maybe some industry people from the film distribution mm-hmm. industry not. and that. Um, and Phil Linnett's Songs for What I'm Away was the overall winner out of those six. And Emma Reynolds, an Irish director, made it great mm-hmm. director. So yeah, that that's that's a funny film like because it hasn't seen the light of day in Ireland yet and we we screened it in london and it got a really brief run in the uk before lockdown happened on november 5th so um there's a lot of people out there obviously dying to get their hands on it but it's been paused at the moment um it's a beautiful film done in a very interesting fashion so really kind of key stylistic work from the from the filmmaker to lift it above uh an average music doc and give it that cinematic feel and that's one of the things we're looking for in particularly the short list that i would draw up those six films out of 30 that it's definitely got to have a cinematic touch to it that is that you know you can't sit at home on a laptop and watch on oh, a smarts screen you know tv and go oh that was a fine film it's like it's got to leave you going shit i wish mm. i wish i'd seen it in cinema it's got to have that element to it so this film Emer's uh editing and her stylization around uh motifs that used within the film to to, to draw out you know the kind of contradictory character of, of who phil was you know like a very shy guy but was amazing on stage but actually really you know Shy and humble too, mm. like you know, in a very Irish way. You know mm. of, of undermining your own talents. You know when you're, mm. you know, when you've achieved so much, and then being like not, not, not being, not being wanting to dig yourself up in any way, in any interviews, anywhere, apart mm. from correct. You know the music journalists when they mistakenly call you, you know, British. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> that happened quite a bit to <laughs> to Phil. So it's only in those scenarios that within the film that you can see him really standing his ground and going, no, oh, you know, I'm Irish and I'm proud of it and like, you know, and, you know, mm. next, <laughs> you know. So it's yeah. it's a beautiful portrait of 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 this character and, you know doesn't dwell on uh, on the tragedy uh, tragic end of his life but Mm -hmm. you know it's just really celebrate celebratory it 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 talks to his daughters who I've never seen featured before Mm -hmm. in any of the other films about him like obviously you know there are many films out there on him and I was a little bit kind of going well Mm -hmm. I was there's a lot of Irish productions or TV ones and I think there's several BBC ones as well but you know, for want of a better word, they were made for TV, and they cut many corners, and they're just kind of, uh, you know, slapdash put together to fill an hour. And yeah. um, this was a whole other, other, a whole other story, and it was long overdue, like to have a proper cinematic, you know, spectacle and celebration of Phil's life and and everything he achieved from being like, you know, real, like, you know like you were saying about uh, Kelly Johns, it's like, really, he's from Crumlin, yeah. in, you know, r- really working class, poor part of Dublin, uh, single mother in the, the, the what was it, like the late 70s, mm-hmm. or no, early, early 70s. Yeah, early
1: 70s, yeah.
0: Late 60s, early 70s, yeah, yeah. And, and with a bloody nightmare, it was almost, if not, the only, he was probably the only black guy in Ireland out of maybe two or three other people. (laughs) It's like, it's ridiculous to think that. It's kind of, it just sounds insane. How could that be? But that's, you know, that, you know, yourself coming from Ireland, that probably, that probably is the truth, you know? So, you know, he had a mountain of, mountain of shit against him from not, there was no way he was going to make it. So, you know, the story of that triumph, like, you know, and becoming a huge international Artist, a, a huge fan base worldwide. Mm-hmm. Loved him and loved his music and loved his character in particular comes across really well on stage and like you know, he was uh, you know, you know he, he has that you know charisma it's just oozing out of him like in this film and it's 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 just. It's just a great celebration of of his mm. life, whereas those other made for tv films, he usually did dwell a lot on the plight of a heroin addiction and all of that, and how he ended up uh, um, dying quite a quite a young death, you know. Mm. Um, so you know, it was it. This film doesn't in any way dwell on the end at all, and you know the interview with his daughters and where you know how they see him, his legacy, and that, and his you know his wife at the time. Yeah, you know, I think yeah, it's it's a crucial film. I yeah, mean, it's
1: Phil long Phil long, Lynn, it's been such an influence on me, man. It's probably the reason I play the guitar is yeah. because of Thin Lizzy's music. But it wasn't just right. a he was a poet, wasn't he? Like, I mean, to top it oh, all yeah, off, yeah. being awkward walking around Crumlin, being that romantically minded, you know.
0: Yeah no absolutely absolutely yeah. he was he was yeah and you know this this yeah some of the some of the lyrics are like you know well up there with the best of Shane McGowan you know uh, yeah. absolutely yeah. and the portrait he painted of Dublin like you know and his hometown which he was re- really proud of like but, yeah
1: yeah yeah where could we watch that is it possible to see it
0: Uh unfortunately it's not I think it's completely being held up by the fact that. It didn't get into Irish cinemas, and it had three different no. uh, release dates that had to be rescheduled because of COVID. Um, it was supposed to be released on, I think, it was late October. When we had it and uh, there was a lockdown in Ireland it wasn't in the UK and that's how we got away with it screening it at the time Mm -hmm. and then it was rescheduled for the 26th of December which sounded like a great time to show it the day after Christmas Mm -hmm. and it would have been amazing but if there was another lockdown after Christmas that knocked that sideways and now uh, it's all up in the air as to when it might happen. It, uh, probably it's looking like April. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. Okay. But that is that's holding up the online release basically. And who knows what's going to happen? They might have to just throw in the towel and put it up online sooner rather than later because there is an avid fan base out there looking to get their hands on and watch it. You know, it having been, you know, announced back in September. You know, it's 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 pushing on. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know. That's it's gonna it's gonna be worth waiting for one
1: way or the other. Definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah. you've obviously got your you've got your streaming thing going on at the moment, right? You've got Duck and wall yeah. TV, right? Is that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something that we kind of developed about a year and a half ago, uh yeah. and it was always going to sit in the back burner, and it was going to be a word of mouth thing, and we were just going to kind of grow it organically little by little because we didn't have much marketing money to put behind it to to continually remind people that it exists so it's one of the problems with a streaming service that is on demand and you come and pay for what you want and you leave and you forget about it and then we have to remind you that exists again so it was always going to be you know slow burn Um, and then obviously uh, a year ago in March when we had our full UK tour cancelled and we had to completely uh, pivot towards the online we start we put a bit of marketing money behind it pushed it added another 10 titles to it from the twelve that were only on it and opened up access from UK and only to global audience as well which uh, has worked remarkably well considering we didn't put that much money behind to the marketing of it and didn't have it to do so, but so it's kind of a uh, a nice slow burn that kind of picked up quite quite heavily in April and May when we got mm. featured in Enemy Enemy and we featured in uh, this Sight and Sound, the BFI's magazine, and Time Out and the, the likes. Uh, so we got some good press coverage for that. Yeah, and some random bits and pieces in Italy and everywhere. So it was. It has it has grown faster now, but it is ticking over nicely. You know, it's it was never going to be. You know, it was never going to pay the rent off that. But it's it's a very nice stream, uh, uh income stream just to have ticking over in the background and it also to be able to facilitate the audience that had been asking us at all these live events how they could see these films that Mm -hmm. we had shown previously and they couldn't find online. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was just nice to be able to put those two things together and facilitate an appetite. And now, which we're now reaching 26 countries, which is great. um, And kind of very surprising. So people out there, music fans like ourselves in, like, you know... um, in Brazil or in Estonia, Latvia, places like this, we have not major audience anyway, but we see like bits and pieces of audience coming from these countries. It's like, you know, it's great. So like nice. people are, 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 are crate digging, you know, crate digging on Google and finding, finally finding these films, uh, more so because we put them all together. Obviously, you know, in a yeah. scenario when, when, when you start to gather and gather, it, it just becomes, you know, snowballs. So uh yeah we don't have a massive audience so it was never built for a massive audience either but it's mm-hmm. like definitely a niche a niche growth area and like i said it has facil- it has helped us be able to expand the the types of films we show and take more risk on uh, the films that may not work in the cinema we had 17 mm-hmm. online films for our festival in november and we had 14 live events so Obviously, with the sh- with the lockdown, we had to focus on the 17 online ones. But the, I was, it was very happy to be able to show those kind of, yeah, more riskier ones of of more obscure art- artists that definitely have an audience out there, particularly in a wider UK, maybe not in London. So to be able to facilitate that was great. So Docker World TV has worked excellent in that way, both for just the festival itself, but in general.
1: You, you've got you've got traction now after after seven years of doing it. Like, I think, yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's obviously yeah. with the coronavirus pandemic, is obviously stopping you in your tracks and somewhat but you're obviously able to keep going what about yourself you're in spain now aren't you yeah yeah
0: how how's that
1: How's that going? <laughs> is it nice and warm? Well, I,
0: uh, it's well, warmer, warmer. I'd say we've had uh, we're in the south of Spain, there, Cadiz. Yeah. Uh, we jumped ship out of London because I'm kind of am a high risk. I've got diabetes type one, so we're right. pretty high risk on that. And uh, Vanessa, my partner is. Uh, parents have a a summer home here so yeah yeah we're great it's like you know obviously i love the sunshine and that but it's it's a it's a summer home that isn't designed to be lived in the winter so we're making the most of it um but uh no no it's great to get in london in this scenario yeah
1: yeah it's a tricky one um you you're so you are high risk from from coronavirus that is that
0: well, yeah uh, probably I don't know what that, yeah, I think I'm yeah. high risk, not very high risk but i'm high risk yeah. so uh so that's yeah that's been yeah, that's yeah. been uh, like it's been more tough- tougher for my partner today with Vanessa than for me, really, I guess because she's got, sure. you know naturally more worried than I would be directly about it, but uh no, it's definitely one of the benefits of being able to stretch her legs out here and have a garden to walk around and yeah. have a nearby beach with nobody on it and that kind of thing so headspace is really with what we've gained here you know in terms of apart from the weather and the temperatures really need some headspace because three months in a small flat in london with no balcony and no garden was excruciating Terrifying. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know and so um Vanessa didn't want to go me, me go shopping and that so right. I was more or less indoors for three months which is horrible just watching <laughs> films man yeah <laughs> yeah 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 and just trying to yeah, pass the time yeah so how, so no no it's great it's much more relaxing here it's all how way,
1: how, you know, how long so. have you been diabetic
0: uh I think I picked it up i 43 now so I picked it up uh, a little over 20 when I was 19 right yeah um so yeah i just it was it's the type type one is the one that usually affects younger people much younger than 19 so i kind of caught it at the end of my adolescence but um yeah you know that's that's whatever that's fine it could be a uh, could be a lot worse of an illness and much more of an inconvenience it's an inconvenience at, at you know at worst sure. really a, a severe inconvenience but you know i, I think it's oh,
1: sometimes these things also um if you're of a positive mindset like yourself you would obviously use that as a catalyst to do amazing things in your life as well you know i think it's do you feel that's the case in your case i mean
0: well, maybe I mean, I tell you, I mean, I was always a big traveler. I really wanted to continue traveling, so that was a bit daunting when it, uh, I yeah. was diagnosed with it because it, one of the dietitians, a doctor told me at the time i couldn 't go to India, for example, because yeah. of the lack of health care there and, yeah. uh, but uh, I went to India six years ago and had a, <laughs> had a fantastic time because i'd already traveled around South America ten years ago, and I had spent you know, best part of eight months on the road uh, between eight different cities, eight eight different countries. And I've managed to maintain my uh, medicine and insulin, the hormone I have to carry around with me to inject every day uh, in a cool environment. That's one of the critical things. You have to keep it cold in the fridge. So it it can be a real stumbling block for people who are adventurous and want to change their lifestyle or whatever. They have to be really uh, about that but I got away with it and I did it properly and I kind of you know focused and yeah so I think um, it it made me probably yeah more attentive to detail than I already was yeah. which was <laughs> quite and uh, I guess more responsible than the age I was I had to be I couldn't be like going out on, you know, two-day benders, you know. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, I actually had to, you know, basically keep an eye on alcohol intake and make sure I was only drinking four or five pints maximum and Mm -hmm. not doing it very often and la 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 Mm -hmm. So, you know... Uh, it being you know it affects my it affects my health in the long term but also you know I've benefited from it somehow I guess you know in terms of it you know, <laughs> in it's kept you in, ch- it kept
1: you in check hasn't it basically you know I yeah, think, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah 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 it, do, it
1: does yeah, seem yeah. to me that you're uh you're the type of person who uh is told that that could be a difficult road to go down you're like great that's the road I'm going to go down you know that's 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 where the answers well
0: coming. Well yeah 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 you know it's what they say that's where comfort zone that's where the magic is outside of it you know because I was I had been in my comfort zone for far longer than I should have been you know in that kind of sweet job that I enjoyed but wasn't really doing and getting me what I wanted in life which was a little bit more challenging and a little bit more diverse and living somewhere else and all of that like so so yeah yeah I mean absolutely like I mean I you know, I've grown to understand that in retrospect, rather than being aware of it at the time. Yeah, you know? yeah sure. <laughs> so <laughs> it can be all of these things that are quite daunting at the time, and it's 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 usually only in retrospect you go, all oh, right, yeah, you did the right thing because that's you were too comfortable rather than." Going, should I really be getting in my comfort comfort zone? This is too difficult, you know. And then you know, second yeah. guessing it, you know. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, yeah. You have to you have to run towards your fears, otherwise your fears will chase you and hunt you down, you know. So,
0: well, no, absolutely. I mean, I, that that is something. I, unfortunately, I only learned in the last five to so years, you know. And I wish I had had a guardian, mentor, somebody when I was fourteen, fifteen, sixteen to, to explain that dead clearly to me, like as a matter of fact, you know, because I think. That's something that's missing from, was for, missing from my life. I might have taken, you know, a different path or whatever. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people, I think that's a crucial life lesson. It's, it's a shame. It, sometimes you only learn that in your 40s, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, when it, sometimes it can be too late to make those uh, life-changing, altering, you know, taking Yeah. The, the other path you know and that that leads obviously to regret which can you know mm-hmm. can be damaging way more damaging than taking risky moves in your 30s and 20s yeah than yeah regretful I mean, when you're when you're when you're middle-aged mean regretful absolutely you
1: do, do you man know? for me it's better to regret doing something than to regret not doing it you know and i think that's a, that's the code i live my life by um and i also like for just just to say to you directly man that when you started off doing the dock and roll thing i really thought you were diving in there with something that was worthwhile for your own character as a human being and and the fact that you've managed to see it through you were probably losing traction at points you kept it going you kept spinning the wheels and you've made traction and i'm so incredibly proud and happy for you that you've done that you know you're succeeding
0: man you know it's yeah it's inspiring yeah, no, well thanks. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, it was like the it, it, it stood on we've stood on the back of many people who have helped us along the way with their own enthusiasm and hopefully that was generated and they saw it by our own enthusiasm, myself and Vanessa, that they were attracted by that. That yeah. they could see that we weren't just, you know, this was never a money making project, you know. Sure. <laughs> and yeah. They could see that that there was a passion to to bring, you know, uh, something from the arts that wasn't really out there, wasn't being offered by anyone primarily because of it not being a money making venture for anyone, you know, that people just wouldn't take the risk. So I think, you know, people people were attracted by that, that we were willing to, you know, do these things that wasn't really, you know, wasn't financially... Solid, but that was definitely worth doing from a cultural sense, you know? Yeah. You know, so, you know, we can definitely hold our head high in that sense. But yeah, no, oh, it's tricky. I mean, I'm glad you say that, but it's like, you know, it's this COVID has really knocked everyone sideways. And a year into it now, I'm glad we're still around because to be honest with you, we absolutely looked at uh, this scenario in April last year when we had had 95 events that were mm. confirmed that cancelled between mm. March and June across 14 cities it was it, it, looked, wow. it was very grim it looked, it was seriously grim yeah. and we were looking like we just have to somehow you know will we make it through or we shut the company in May you know so wow. it Jesus. came very close you know Very Mm -hmm. close, you know, and and, uh, people won't make it through, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are promoters, primarily, you know, Mm -hmm. I have a a lot of, uh, you know, concern for small time music promoters who take the risks with these small bands, you know, with these small venues, you know, that don't do it for the money because there's very little money in that as well you know and I, uh you know it's 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 a it's a very tricky time and i have a lot of you
1: know the grassroots is what people eat you know we need the grassroots man without that the fields are bare you know it's just the high rise trees and shit you know so i'm with you man and i think this year is very important because for me um if we don't keep our wheels going here, it's going to be nothing left but the sort of super commercialised middle-of-the-road crap. So we need to keep... And I, and I know this year now is like, okay, last year was scary. This year is probably going to be way worse, but I'm much more conditioned yeah. for it. Do you know what I mean? Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we got this far, we could just keep going, like, you know, some yeah. way or another. But, you know, I mean, that might be flipping for some, but, I mean, you know, you got to... If you you know, you just got to keep... got to persevere, really. And one of the only... I mean... That's one of the life lessons I've really learned at what we've done is like you can... You, perseverance gets you everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's just as simple as that. Mm. So you just do not, do not take the no for the answer or the ignored email for the answer. You just fucking hassle. Hassle, hassle politely, as polite as you can be, and just keep going, you know? Because at the end yeah. of the day, you, you attract people towards you who are ignoring you for a long time because you're still around, you know? Whereas, you know, and it just the fact of still being around is 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 success in people's eyes. And that that kind of builds your own success from that point of view as well. You know, just bloody perseverance. Don't, you know, single minded. (laughs) It's when you have a good idea, run with it, stick to the plan and run with it. That's the,
1: it. The, there's yeah. the goal I was digging for Colin man you just, just got to the nugget and I've had you here for over an hour so I feel very good about that
0: <laughs> good good good,
1: good. Oh, oh listen man it's been really really good to talk to you man I've, I really enjoyed yeah. it you know I feel I know you a little bit more and I'm very inspired by how you're still going I'm, I'm and I have massive
0: respect and love for both of yourself and uh, Vanessa for keeping it going man. Yeah. yeah well thanks very much for having it. it's always you know it, you, you definitely ask some difficult questions me that i hadn't you know thought about and i will go off and hopefully if you have a round two of this this time next year i'll have the answers for you good strange, man, sweet good sweet and more good crisp man. and clear but yeah you definitely put some thoughts in my head good man all right man listen great great to talk to you take, take care take care Colin. mate all see best. you mate bye
1: Well, there you go. How about that? Um, That is a conversation full of intuitive information about how you might submit your work as well as being a deep dive into the machinations of the mind behind such uh, an endeavor. Um, There are many things there that I'd be scared to do as well, you know, and I think that the overall message here has to be like, you know, go where your fear lies. Go towards that. You know, and I really appreciate it if you take the time to go and check out the Doc and Roll Film Festival program. There are many films online that you can stream and support their work, and uh, as well as like watch some very very cool music documentaries. I hope that bringing some of the industry side of things into the conversation flow is also important for you, the listener as well, because you know I think the aim for everybody involved in the process of making. Stuff is uh, essentially now we need to document it more than ever. But if we can do that with clear sight and with a vision for where it might end up, then so I think our work can be better and uh, have high aims. And uh, and also know the doors are open. You know, you just keep knocking on that door because eventually someone's going to answer it. And uh, this is a fine example of that. You know, have your idea where your heart and passion lies. Go for that. See it through. Keep flowing with it. It'll grow and grow and grow. Just don't stop knocking. Um, so with that in mind, I'd like to say to you, keep flowing in the flow and uh, enjoy your creative moments in life. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next time on Tapping the Flow. Cheers.